0: deserve. It is Christine Conti, And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazy. And a microphone. We are where it's at. How you doing, Brian?
1: I'm awesome. I'm so happy right now. That was like one of the funnest interviews we've ever done.
0: It, well, I told you, I was like, we have a really good interview today and you were like, oh, okay, who is it? I was like, don't you worry. It's going to be awesome. He's got an amazing story. And you all are in for a treat because Stephen Kunis, joining us from Newtown, Pennsylvania, although really lives in Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. California. California, L.A.,
1: Hollywood.
0: Mm, Hollywood. Mm, a little, little of this, little uh, executive producer, Of Over My Dead Body, that's on Amazon, and TEDx Speaker, Square One at 60, Um, a writer. You want to go ahead and name drop a little bit or what? Yeah. I
1: mean, he wrote for Norman Lear, which, you know, if you know Norman Lear, the name, it's all in the family. It's good times. It's Sanford and Son. It's one day at a time. Okay, and, on at a time. and on and on and on. Uh, Maud uh, was one of his, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and he was... Kate and Alley, Yeah. And, and um, well, and then he went on to uh, write for yeah, yeah shows like Kate and Allie. um, But really, you know, the Over My Dead Body is just this amazing concept that he has, where he, uh, the show, they speak to and with dead people.
0: Right. So Stephen's going to tell a little bit of, I asked him to tell a little truncated version of his TED Talk. So if you actually look him up, um, you'll see, you could Google his TED Talk. It is really, really good um, because it goes into some major ups and then some major downs in his life and he kind of you know just did a little overview in our show today because we were really focusing on some of the amazing things that he's been through and has has experienced in with Hollywood and writing and directing and what he's doing now but this concept he said he had his whole life and he's going to talk about what it means to interview people Throughout history, that don't necessarily have to be alive to to talk with, and he went from having this idea of just, wow, this would be really cool to. Oh, I wrote these down. Um, really cool. Like we've got like Stephen Jobs and Mae West and Mark Twain and Julia Childs and Nixon, um, Jimmy Durant. Oh my gosh! Um, so like just so many people that you know he'll he'll research and. Actually, people will come in as voiceovers and and do interviews that looks like looks like the actual cemetery, but he says it's really not the actual cemetery right, right
1: no the technology nowadays you can do all this and it's on amazon prime and uh you know so you can watch it uh on your phones, your computers, your home at, at, on your t v and and uh it's really 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 uh fun you know just just mm-hmm. fun information and uh he's a fascinating fella. Um, and we even have him, uh, you know, drop some pearls about uh, health routines and regaining his health, and what his doctor told him, and something very funny about that. You know, his doctor told him that his in his current state, what he was, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't exactly uh, endearing. Uh, but you know, it's it's uh, it's it's something that uh, you know opened his eyes and his mind to potentially regaining his health, and that's a very important uh, part of you know what he says in his process of writing and his
0: famous marathon mother oh, like yeah. all of a sudden was like oh by the way my mom was like a marathon right. rock star hey
1: alma could run all right what? she was fast yeah so um, just really fun episode uh you know and, and uh we just get to know people and it's the best part of what we do here with our show is you know yes we bring them on because they've done this in the you know whatever industry they're in usually fitness or health or wellness or they've created a program this or is something wellness. Like this is wellness for certain mm-hmm. and and you know and then you get to know the person and i'm just you know just completely fond of Stephen right now and uh you know just amazing to get to have him share our airwaves and uh, i really feel like you're in for a treat here um you know this is uh maybe a uh A a different turn from our last two guests, um, you know, but equally amazing and fun and, um, you know, just a really great listen. And uh, I enjoyed this a whole lot, and I think you guys will too, right? Should we get to it, Christine?
0: Our lineups have been so good lately. Not that they're not good, but like every once in a while they get like, you know –
1: I mean, yeah. Oh, Flow state, tough. baby. Mm-hmm. All right. Two Fit Crazy in a Microphone podcast with Stephen Kunis. Enjoy this one, please. <laughs>
0: gorgeous day at the New Jersey Shore <laughs> and we have a fantastic guest for all of you today as you heard in our introduction Stephen how are you doing today I am doing
2: great today is uh, the first day this week I haven't gone to the dentist so this is
0: oh wait is what exciting for me okay all right back up <laughs> back up
2: why uh, what is got, going you, you on you got me well i figured if i was going to be on this podcast and it's called two fit crazies at least i should have my dental work in. uh
1: i was gonna spot. say are you like interning more or more, there? you know, so
2: no they just keep they, they keep calling me back Yeah, uh, maybe they just they just like me i don't know
0: my dentist <laughs> loves my credit card is what i know every yeah, time i go that. in it's like you know we'd like your this credit card i'm like what do you, can i just do it myself can i have the tools you just walk me through it i'm fine we're good i'll give myself I've, a little i've
1: begun denying the x-ray cuz every time i go in there they're like time for an x-ray i'm like i, I haven't had a cavity in a really long time and nope. uh you know and and i'm just not going to do that cost money oh, geez
2: i was there i was there like i don't know 3 months ago and everything was great and now they're telling me i have two cavities i said how did i get two cavities in 12 weeks and uh then the guy called him his professor for, cause at Temple University for mm-hmm. a second opinion, and the second opinion is no, I don't have a cavity there, but I have one somewhere else. What? So I'm, 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 I'm now a research subject. Okay, that's frightening
0: <laughs> on many levels. I mean, I'd rather be, I'd rather have that than be at like an oncologist and be like, you know, that's that, Maybe cancer
2: was, here or there. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking about that, or somebody like. Uh, Someone said to me, well, you know, think of the people in the Ukraine, which, of course, is true. Right. And so now that's my new standard Before I can't complain about anything the rest of my life.
0: Oh, well, I, I don't that's...
1: I, I think we need stuff from time to time mm-hmm. to bring us down. Right. So that way we can go back up and, you know, ride right. that ride. Oh, man. That's true.
0: So tell our tell our listeners. Obviously, you're not in studio with us. Where are you coming to us from today? Right
2: now, I'm in Newtown, Pennsylvania, in Bucks County. Mm. Uh, I actually live in Santa Barbara, in, in sunny California, but I've been here visiting my parents, um, uh, which I've I've enjoyed, except for those little train <laughs> rides into the, the dental clinic. <laughs> um, and I've been I've been doing the, my show, which we will talk about a little bit um, from here. Because the studios that I worked at in L.A. and New York closed permanently during the pandemic. And I think that a lot of people have had to do a very, and I mean very quick pivot on their careers, especially if they're in the entertainment industry. And because of the platforms that are now available, uh, you can pretty much do your show from anywhere.
0: Right, let, we got to get going? into this. Let's, let's, let's get our listeners right into what the heck is going on. And what I love is that we connected just kind of randomly over social media, which normally Brian is the one who calls me the stalker, but in a good way. <laughs> like if right. someone's interesting, I think that's what's awesome about social media. You see someone that's interesting and you're like, wow, I want to talk to them. And you, and you can, you know, if they respond, but you, you know, we connected and you have, you know, I, I find out that, you know, you have done some producing and writing and you've got this amazing backstory and, you know, a TED talk and a, you know, the list goes on and I'm like, wow, this guy's really intriguing. We have, I, we have to get you to our listeners. And I mean, when I heard your TED talk, I was like, this is really amazing and I'm going to ask you, you don't have to do it verbatim, but I would love for you to do a little summary of the how the heck you got to now over my dead body, which obviously is something we're going to have to get into a little bit later. Okay. How did well, this happen?
2: What, yeah, what What happened, this will be like, uh, I don't know, maybe a... The egg, the egg timer version of my <laughs> life in three minutes or less. It can is, be I longer, start, Steve. It can, it can be longer. Can be, well, just, just, I would say, um, when I when I was twenty six, I got hired by Norman Lear, and people told me that well, he's already. I can't believe this is this happened, but he's already sixty one, and uh, he's kind of a has been. And I said, "How how was he a has-been? I was 26, and now I'm 65, and I'm thinking, God, am I a husband? <laughs> you know, this guy Norman is going to turn a hundred in July. Wow, right? And, and he's still producing television shows. So I, I, whoever I forget who said that to me, but I go, boy, were they wrong? And anyway, I I had written some short stories that got published out of college. I went to NYU, and Norman had. Uh, read two of them and i thought it was a practical joke they called me and they said norman lear would like to speak with you and i said sure it's like my my old roommate or something and he, he said i really like your dialogue dialogue is the hardest thing to write and I, I could tell you on this show the secret to how to write great dialogue okay and he he brought me out to california put me with some older writers that had done some really classic stuff. Um, That's what he would do every so often, like once, every five years, he would hire like three young writers that never wrote for television, but thought that they had some degree of talent, I guess. And uh, for whatever reason, he chose me as the one, the other guy he chose was named Mark Andrus, who wrote the movie as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. So I guess he was smart Uh, in Picking Mark as well, and uh, put us together with, you know, older writers. And I started writing sitcoms and that, you know, that went on for quite a while, even after Norman sold his, his company. Um, And from, from there, I I just kind of morphed into like, I would do a movie of the week. I would do rewrites on features. And I just thought it would never end. And then, of course, uh, when you hit 40, uh, the, and there's a big thing with the Writers Guild does this, the Screen Actors Guild has committees on it. You are actually considered old in Hollywood at the age of 40. It, your, your, your ability to get work goes down by about 80%. So then the the older people start hiring their friends and they try to keep just keep things alive. And my career crashed and so did I and that's the that is really the um, that's putting it mildly that what a fabulous crash though I mean even as a crash it's a it was a great crash (laughs) Uh, and I did a a TED talk called square one at 60 and I literally found myself absolutely broke uh, virtually homeless uh, no career Fortunately, I, I was able to get a pension a couple of years after that, but I had to wait. And so a friend of mine said, "You know, while you were busy feeling sorry for yourself for the last couple of decades, um, the world has changed. You know, television, like, like, look, you know, there, you know, there's, of course, the internet, cell phones, uh, YouTube, Amazon, whatever." I said, you, you don't have to go sell your show to a network. You can just do your show. And it doesn't cost a million dollars an episode. It can be done for virtually free. And I took a few classes. And here, here I am. I, I, I probably have 75 uh, credits in network, network television. Here I'm taking a couple of classes. I, and I, I did the show that I had always wanted to sell. Uh, called Over My Dead Body, which was really based on a fantasy. Uh, it's a talk show. It's based on a fantasy wish list of who would you like to interview if they would all say yes, and they don't even have to be alive. So you know, I was, Queen Elizabeth was a good one. Uh, Princess Diana, Groucho Marx, like who? who just Mark Twain. And... This was something we discussed when I worked on The Tonight Show. We talked about who could we get on the show uh, this week? Oh, well, let's get um, Catherine Hepburn and maybe maybe Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart. It was a like joke <laughs> that we did. But I ended up doing it uh, with with a friend of mine who I grew up with. And he did not go to Hollywood. It was like he would like live through me. And I said, "Well, don't live through me. My life is a disaster right now. And I, I wish I had never left." You know. Anyway, the, together we we put we put together this show. Uh, it's now on. It's been on Amazon for a few years. It's also because of the pandemic and the TV sh- uh, studios closing. We um, we took the audio part of it off. And now it's on. Uh, it's available also as a as a podcast all over the place. So, for your listeners, I can just tell you right now: if you have no excuse not to not to do your own um, television show or a podcast, and you know, they're, they're really if, if if I could do this, I think I think anybody can. So.
1: I, I I think that that's some pretty sound advice. You know. On in March of 2020, or March 3rd of 2020, uh, we... Got together, Christine and I, and we uh, started a podcast production company. And then, uh, you know, within the fitness industry, we had a focus. We were helping some people with their podcasts and speaking on it as business development at some of the conventions and things like that. And uh, the next thing you know, the whole world shuts down. No one can be in the gym. No one can be working out. No one can be, you know. But I said, "You all have a story. You all have a a recording device in your pocket. Um, You know, you you can do this." And, uh, you know, same advice. Uh, there isn't a reason for anybody to to not do that at all. Um, I have some curious questions here.
0: I forgot to tell you about the a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Isn't that great? I know. Uh, oh, so
1: over my dead body, um, how, how do you go about recording the voices of the people that are no longer with us?
2: Oh, what, what happened was I, I made a big mistake of assuming that everybody knew who these people were. So – and I'll get to that in a second, but how do we do that? We have a host. We, we tell people we go around the world to cemeteries of famous dead people. And it's called over my dead body. We have the, obviously they're over the dead body mm-hmm. there. <laughs> um, the, the, the host is sitting in a chair and there's a microphone and a speaker plugged into the headstone and asks, um questions like we're doing now about the person's life. Uh, you, uh, you know, uh, How they got started, talk about their career, but more importantly, what they're up to now, uh, what they're working on now and what they think about current events. And we never mentioned that they just happen to be dead. So it's a, it's a very present tense show. And what, what I found is that that a a lot of younger people, it's hard to imagine, but they didn't know who made my, our cameraman did not know he's going to be mad. I said this, but. He goes, who's Mae West? (laughs) He's 30 years old. Who's Mae West? Uh, Who's Jack Benny? Who's Groucho Marx? Jimmy Durante? Um, Ethel Merman? Phyllis Diller? Mm. So I spend half the show working in who they are for people that have never heard of them. And so I really think that we're doing more than just originally it was just get them to say whatever they want. They're dead. But. (laughs) <laughs> now it's it, it's Amazon has branded it as as education and comedy, and, and it is very it's very informative, and um, we because again of the internet we have we find voiceover actors from all over the actually all over the world, and if they can do I don't you know if they can do a good Rodney Dangerfield uh, we just did Julia Child, um, Steve Jobs. <laughs> Richard Nixon, we have a fabulous uh, guy named uh, Frank Gerard that does a lot of our voices. Uh, and um and we and we just like I said, we just did Phyllis Diller, we found the woman in Canada. And they, they have these home studios and we I send them the script and they do the lines and uh, we cut that together and it sounds pardon the pardon it sounds dead on. It really <laughs> really is <laughs> And it looks so real. We've had people say, like, don't you get, like, thrown out of the cemeteries? But we do it in a green screen studio. And uh, most of them lately have been done in Philadelphia at the Comcast Center. Okay. And, um, you know, so that's what, like, we're doing Mark Twain, I think, next week. Um, And after that, we are doing Howard Cosell to talk about sports. And uh,
1: Really neat. how long does it take you to turn an episode around? So I guess let's start from uh... like
2: basically forever. It yeah. seems like it's because of the research and the writing, and uh, I don't know. It takes a few weeks or more.
1: Well, that's not. It forever. seems like it's
2: just like I mean, it's it's longer than you with you. You know, my original idea is find somebody that can do an imitation and wing it. Well, you can't really wing anything. Uh, You have to have have preparation. So it becomes scripted entertainment. Um, And then we have irate callers call in and ask questions. Like sometimes they're fan calls. Sometimes they they yell at you and then the the guest yells back like uh, in our Steve Jobs episode. Um, We did that. It's it's actually a show. it's, It's a tried and true format. And we will never run out of guests. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, every time every, anybody that sees the show, they said, oh, you have to do Elvis or that's like the number one. They always want to do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I don't know how interesting Elvis is, but they all want to. They all mention Elvis. And um, we, we won't do a person if they had a tragic death. Like comedians are fine. You know, the Groucho Marx wouldn't like really object. But I wouldn't do, say, Whitney Houston. People have asked for it. I go, she had like this problem and died trapped. Yeah, nah. yeah, right, or right, or right. Marilyn Monroe. I don't feel like,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
2: that. Um, so, you know, what, what else can I say about it? I'm just, I, I absolutely just love doing it. Somebody said, How long do you want to do this? I said, Forever. <laughs> like, I never want to retire. I just love, I love doing the show and I, I, I love people's reaction when they see it or when they hear it, you know, and, uh, I love listening to your show.
1: Good, good, good. It's like,
0: I, I'm curious of, I'm curious about a lot of things. That's why they call me whiskers. Um, no, I'm curious about what was going on. I know, you know, you said I've been doing this forever,
2: Right. I could do this forever and this, this show.
0: Yeah. Now, but this ideas of of I've been coming up with this forever. Now, those years, those decades, those hard decades. Did you lose that faith of this is ever going to happen? And if so, I did. How yeah. was it that you were able to pull yourself out of this? Well
2: one day I just decided when I it was when I when I turned sixty. I said, What am I what am I going to do? I, I I have written some novels that um I hadn't published and I had the idea for this show and my son had told me, he said, Don't you know what's going on? my son said this about the, the publishing. He said Stephen King just published his own book he can go to any publisher in the world and he said you know what i'm just going to upload it to amazon like everybody else he goes because people know who i am so they're going to buy it or they're not going to buy it or they're going to look up stephen king on the internet oh he's got a new book out he says i don't have to go to simon and schuster i can just do this from from my home in maine now i understand that people know who he is and I think John Grisham did the same thing. I'm not sure with one book. And uh my son said, instead of like worrying that no publisher would pick up your book, why not, you know, in the time like that we're on the phone right now, you could just have this thing laid out and publish it. And I had six pub- six books I had written that I hadn't been very aggressive about Um that's another another thing. They like to have young authors and then build an audience for them. It's very hard. Like if, like if we just wrote a book right now, uh, you know, you guys right now, it would be very interesting and you'd have, probably have a hard time selling it just because it's just hard to sell a book if you uploaded it. And so anyway, I did that. And in the last three years, <laughs> I, I've published uh, six books that are available that are on audio they're on the ebook Barnes and Noble Amazon and uh, then I I found out there's a woman named Mel Robbins who's like a motivational mm-hmm. speaker sure and she, she I met her she had done the same thing with her book on which I had no idea on Audible and just sold her millionth copy and so that that was probably the that preceded a little bit my television show and I, I realized that the, this is not a fantasy, that the, this is now the, the new order of things. People uh, people put stuff out there. They see how it does. So a lot of times the networks will, know, will monitor that and they will pick up a show um, based upon how well it's done on social media. Social media is really the melting pot of the world creatively now.
1: It, it's absolutely fantastic, and and you know you're right. The conduit to getting the information or giving the information, it's 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 just changed so much now. If I want to get my hands on a book, a lot of times they use the publisher because they will be involved with printing and things like that. Are you only audio or only you know Kindle read, or is it? Can I actually? page? Uh, no, you can, turn you can a page. order
2: a paperback. Okay, they, they they print them up the same day that a person places an order. That's so insane. that's so they, there's no stock it's it, it literally costs i mean i every week i you know, they don't tell me who buys the books i'm always curious but somebody say, oh you sold 17 books this week and i'm like wonder who the see 17 people are <laughs> really is
1: i well i like to see the blip uh you know the jump when uh when this when this episode airs i think uh i think uh, i hope that that some people look it up and and uh and find your books and and buy a few and and definitely turn tune into uh over my dead body how many uh how many episodes of over my Dead body are you up to how do you, and do you do it by season
2: well, uh, we were and then then the pandemic hit um and I go like we're like in the middle of the season one and actually it was like season two but i was like i don't know if, if we'll ever do another be able to do another show there was a the, we you know we were shooting at the studio at Universal out in North Hollywood they had this little green screen studio called Hollywood green screen where that was closed permanently after 42 years wow. and, and our place in New York called Shetler Studios closed after like 38 years. And I go like this is my worst nightmare. I finally have my own show on the air, and we get hit by a pandemic, and now everything's closing uh, Now here's another little tidbit. you know that this pandemic has gone on longer than the one in nineteen
1: eighteen uh, yeah no it's it's gone
2: on for i mean we have we have things that we didn't have back then we 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 didn't have a vaccine. A hundred years ago, we didn't have therapeutics. We didn't have hospitals. So we, with all our advances in medicine, our pandemic has now surpassed
1: the. I I tell you what, we're we're 100. both in the Christine and I. You know, we're both. Uh, you know, neck deep in the fitness industry. And the same thing, the opportunity to exercise the the knowledge, the information, the, uh, you know, studies that have been done, and, and all those things are, are far beyond anything that we've ever had before. And yet, we're sicker than ever. Two things. Two
2: th- oh, all I know is when, yeah. when I saw the name of your podcast, Two Fit, I go like, this, this was like, got my attention right away. <laughs> my my doctor told me the healthiest thing I could do I'm sure you might take it a step further uh was to walk and i really yes. as a writer okay. I, as a writer, I had been sitting um you know my whole life my blood pressure was one at one point it was was two o five over one ten mm-hmm. it was so bad one day I had to go to the e r and they they did every test you could imagine on me. And when everything came back negative, the doctor said, I've, I figured out what was wrong. I said, what's that? He goes, you're a lazy slug." <laughs> so he, said, he said, here's what you're going to do. He said, salt is your worst enemy mm-hmm. and walking is your best friend. And I started, I, I cut down on my salt and I started walking 90 minutes a day. My blood pressure is 110 over, I don't know, 74. And uh, I think I think that that has had a lot to do with certainly my energy level and my outlook in life as far as. You bet. As uh, being creative.
0: Go ahead, Brian. Jump on this one. No, this—that's my thing. That's thing.
1: Walking. I, I, you know, between the two of us sitting here, Christine and I have run over forty marathons at least, right? I've done forty. You've done something. forty. All right, so make yeah. that fifty. Yeah. And and Christine's a two-time Iron Woman, and uh, she's even wearing the hat today. And. You know, and, and we go to fitness conventions, and you know everyone's talking about the new great workout and all these things. We're and like, I, just go outside. I said, you, you completely overlook a the most entry level activity that we need that, that is you know available, and b the one that people are most likely to stay with. And that's walking, and you know the, the fitness industry is it, it, it's completely lost on them. That, Shiny things, right? and
0: Like balls and things, right? And like, well, they try
2: to they try to bring you into the, the
1: gym. I, I have a little
2: thing your 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 um, audience can hear this, but you can see it. This is a.
1: I can't see it. You're actually off our our camera right now. Just I'm off it. your camera right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. Shout well, my.
2: I have have a picture in my hand. My mother, who is now 89, was a marathon runner. She started back in the days when they didn't have running shoes. Women would wear uh, rippled
1: nurses' shoes, and she would run. Put your camera on. I got to see this picture. For some reason, your camera isn't up. Put it on. My camera's on, isn't it? No, no, we don't see it.
0: We just thought you were having naked time. (laughs) (laughs)
1: There you, are, know, there you are. There you
0: are. And.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, anyway, I don't know if you said. It. Anyway, my mom started running. And when she was 59 years old, she was ranked number one in the country uh, in the marathon for women between 50 and 59, and number nine in the world. That's and, amazing. Uh, Very she, cool. I just thought I'd mention that because. You know, she she did this for so many. There's a picture of her uh, finishing the New York. That's
1: New York Marathon. Awesome. In 1981. And what? Give me a last name. I want to do.
2: Her time was three thirty four eighteen. That's awesome. Um.
1: And and that her her, her name is
2: her name is Alma.
1: Okay. Now oh I tell you what. Now that time on the clock is probably when they started the 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 watch or the clock officially, so she's probably a little bit faster than that. I'd say that it probably took her back in that time probably 5 minutes just to get to the starting line of the New York City Marathon. It was, was rather large and she probably right. and she's probably a little bit faster than that 334 you just mentioned. So let's give Alma the credit that she deserves. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and and my dad would be waiting for her like a tavern on the green where the where mm-hmm. you do all this yes where, where it finishes and the different checkpoints but your your podcast two fit crazies and a microphone i really think that in order before you go to a microphone or a camera you should be fit or at least fit enough like for me i find if i if i walk first i have the best ideas when i'm when i'm walking yes and and uh, i really do think that health and fitness and creativity are married to each other i, ca- I can't imagine anybody uh doing their best work if if they don't have some type of energy or you know health um going on
1: it is it is brain work just as much as it is body work and uh you know and and it will help you with everything from depression, the creativity to um, just getting along with others.
0: I'm sorry. Can we repeat that again for our listeners? It, just in case. All right. You're getting Christine right now, everybody. Um, Steven just said health and fitness and creativity are married to one another. I, I,
2: I really. In fact, it's I used true. To go, yeah. When, when, when uh, Johnny Carson played tennis every day um, before the show. You think, oh, won't that wear you out? And no, not at all. It was quite, quite the opposite. It kept him sharp. Um, a, a couple of producers, I remember one in particular named Howard Leeds, who had used to produce like the Brady Bunch and the show's going way back. I worked with him. He would only have meetings with writers first thing in the morning. He said that's when you are fresh, and uh, you, you know, when when you have the best ideas. I think, I think what you need to do is put together a program for, for writers, you know, for writers, actors, you know, people, people think of health and fitness as as something that just like athletic, uh, like fanatics do. Right. Like, Oh my God, look at the, you always see somebody with like lifting these weights You go, Oh my God, I can never do that. I don't, I don't know if people realize how much it adds to one's happiness, that's the, a the, you know the fabric of a person's life. Um, but I'm I'm telling you, since b- because of of what little I do, I really should take it the next step now. And
1: I, or or if you're doing it, you're doing it. Stay where you are. Uh, that's the high, most important. Hydration. Thing. That's the other thing.
2: Uh, the hyd- the hydration. So I'm sure you've covered all this uh, a million times.
1: Fresh air, sun, but- and water. Just go outside and take a look around at all the things that that's created. Uh, I right. think that uh, you get a little fresh air, you get a little sun, you get some water, uh, we grow like plants. So, um, you know, and everything else that comes with it.
0: I do want to, um, I do want to tell you that, you know, going through any creative processes I'm not a huge morning person. I would rather not get up at 5 in the morning like this one next to me. However, I cannot get my – I almost feel like it clears your head. And I know now that there's science behind – I mean there wasn't before. But now there's all the brain science and the research and you know, the chemicals and the dopamine and the norepinephrine, and you name it is released. And it actually does stimulate your brain and all of the research they've done with with schools and how – Kids can focus and their test scores go up. And, you know, as adults, why are we forgetting this? And what's hysterical, I think about this all the time because I left the, I mean, I left banking because I didn't want to sit. And then I left, you know, I wound up leaving my teaching career as well. And now what I love is that I can plan, okay, I've got a meeting I need to be really focused on or last year writing the book. I need, you know, a couple hours of real good focus. I would plan. Okay, well, I'm going to go out and run for an hour before I have to really focus. And it was I mean, the days that I didn't have that were so different. And I tried not to, you know, tried not to have that, but the the way you feel and think and interact and respond to even adversity when you're when you have that calm is is really I just think is magical. It's, you know, there's no pill that can emulate that that what that does to you right
2: it, it's it it puts you in a great in a great mood. you mentioned oh i hate to do it and i i know what you're saying like oh it's cold it's early i don't want to you know somebody told me i don't care whether you don't wait until you want to do something just do it and as you're doing it you'll be happy you are mm-hmm. and you'll always be happy like someone there's an old saying, I hate to write, but I love to have written. Mm-hmm. I think that applies to it work, working out as well. Absolutely. Well, some people, are, you know, you might not want to do it, but. But there's, you never, you're never sorry you did it. Like, oh gee, I'm really sorry I ran a mile today. I've never, <laughs> I've never heard a person like say that.
1: That's right. The, the, the saying the same thing is, you know, is, as I like, I, I don't like to write, but I like what written. But uh, is is you never regret the workouts that you do, only the ones that you don't do. Right. Yeah. yeah. Tell us, uh, Norman Lear, what did you work on with Norman? Were you the one that uh, got Sammy Davis Jr. to kiss Arch- Archie Bunker? No. Yeah. You know who
2: wrote that episode? A comedian. I used to, uh, used to be a friend of mine. He passed away named Bill Dana. Okay. He wrote that. So And he also, he handed it. He said, whatever you do, don't mention Sammy Davis. He's got one eye. Don't don't say anything. So Archie goes to give him a cup of coffee. He said, do you take cream and sugar in your eye? <laughs> I was like that. The famous
0: uh, line from the
2: show. Yeah, right. And... You know, uh, I was brought in. Norman was making his big comeback, the television. He had a big comeback. Um, He took like five years off. And there was a stand-up comedian named Paul Rodriguez. Sure. uh, Who they they had found and they wanted to create a show about a Mexican family. And so uh, I was actually hired by Norman. And he said, we're working on a few things. Which one do you want to do? And I went to the comedy store. They sent me, oh, there's a guy we just signed, Paul. He's got a deal at ABC. We did blah, blah, blah. It's called AKA Pablo. And Paul and I hit it off. And I go, oh, I want to work with Paul. All right. So we do six episodes of the show. And then the show gets canceled. ABC, in fact, TV Guide has this is my first job. I can't believe I'm telling you this. <laughs> TV Guide. Uh, Said it was, has rated it the, one of the worst 50 shows in the history of television. (laughs) (laughs) You made it, man. Yes. (laughs) Right. And then, but, you know, it it was a lot of fun to do. And, um, and, and it really taught me how to write, how to write television. I'm going to tell you the secret right now.
0: I know. My pen's out.
2: That's it. People who are listening to this podcast do not have to go to USC film school. If, if if sitcom writing is their um, their desire, here's the secret: when you watch television, you're not only listening; you're watching. In fact, your eyes, are, are your vision, is a dominant sense. You're watching. You see something in front of you. You're looking at it. And when you're watching something, and you write you write a script. And actually, Norman Lear told me this. He he said, when people write a script, let's say, for all in the family, they want to get a job and they they want to show they can do it. And in their mind, because they're picturing it, because they've seen it a thousand times, Archie sounds like Archie and Edith sounds like Edith Edith and Meathead's like Meathead. He said, but to a reader, all these characters sound the same. You could switch the, the names around. You know, but you can't tell that to the writer because to them, they they are hearing this in their mind because they're seeing it because they watch the show. So the difference between radio and television, radio, you have to use your imagination. You can only hear it. But the minute you put a picture to that, people are paying more attention to the picture. So the old adage is good screenwriting, a movie, you should be able to turn off the sound and understand the story just from watching the screen. And a radio is, is different. You should be able to picture what's happening just from listening to it. So here's the secret. You can, I don't, if you have a drum roll, you can put that in. Okay. Come up with a show that you want to write. In the old days, a lot of people wanted to write a sign code. Okay. I would record... Well, not I would, this is it. You take about five Seinfeld episodes... And in the old days, you would just use a, with a Walkman with a cassette. Now you don't do that. And you record them. And you put the headphones on. And you listen to the episodes 200 times. Just hundreds of times. Uh, not watching, just listening. And by the time you've watched, or, or, excuse me, listened to an episode, let's say 300 times, you could write all the characters in the science, they could be reading from the phone book and it would sound just like them to a T. And then when you write your episode, people go, that's unbelievable how well you have. The, you're a natural. You have this this ability to write our characters. No one's ever done it this good. And and all you did was just dr- literally drill this into your head. You you could take walks. You could run, go to the gym, do whatever you do, and just listen to the show you want to write for And that that's your education. But after about a month listening to a show, six hours a day, the the writers on the show can't do it better than you. It really is um, amazing. And I don't know anybody who has done that except one person, David Lloyd, who was a a legend. Uh, He used to write the mary tyler moore show he wrote the famous chuckles bites the dust where chuckles the clown dies (laughs) afi says it's the greatest episode in the history of television number one it always gets at the top of the list for a a sitcom episode and that is how you write if 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 somebody Oh, i want to write half hour comedy choose your favorite show listen to it about like 300 times and also download a couple scripts from the internet to see what the, the format, what it looks like. And whatever you do, don't buy a book about how to write for television. <laughs> They're all written by somebody that never wrote for television. You, you don't, you know, maybe not all, but um that is how you write for an established show. And And the dialogue is really the most, you can always make up a story. You can always cut something, add something, but you have to have, the characters um, sound great, and that and that's how it's done.
1: I I tell you what, it makes a little bit of sense because all I do is listen to podcasts, <laughs> <Right>? yeah, well, <laughs> And listen you, to you other probably
2: <laughs> at it. You, know, you
0: guys were probably being very good at it. It's because you
2: have that, that mindset of you know from doing the podcast.
0: Well, that's when I when I was younger. What's really interesting, I loved reading when I was younger. I just sponged everything. I had everything I read. I would not, I mean, there weren't a lot of movies out of books and whatnot yet, but I wouldn't see the movies because I remember a couple of times seeing a movie of a book I read and that everything was not what I pictured. I had my own voices. I had my own characters. I had everything I had created in my mind was not what was on the screen. And I always think of, you know, even when I was teaching English and whatnot, I'm like, what's the voice of these people? And What's I remember one of my good friends, um, the first time she, she read my book, she was like, wow, everything that you say, I hear you. I hear the way that you're saying it every time I read it because I know you. I know your voice. I read I your book your... the same way. Probably. Okay. I hear your voice when and, I read it. And what's interesting or mannerisms is the same thing I do with, with my mother, with Carol, and anything in the book, like when I was writing a couple things about her, it would be like, Christine, your pension. What are you, what are you, you know, having a nervous breakdown or what is this? You know, you're crazy. And, you know, guess how much I got? Oh, gosh. Carol had a, she had pants the last time I saw her. I think I told you this, Stephen. My my mother's been right. very ill. So whatever, and I've been back and forth. She's actually feeling a little bit better right now. And I was, saw her two weeks ago, and she had these – she had pants. They're nice. I mean, for – there's flowers on them. I mean, you, you <laughs> <Right>. know. <laughs> for her, they were nice. And, uh, you know, Car- I, mom, I – you know, those are nice pants. Are they new? Oh, my gosh. I was at Target. I was at – you know, and I got these on sale. Guess how much they were? I'm like, Oh my god, mom, I don't know, like nineteen dollars. Loa. I don't know. It's like wow. fifteen lower. And I got a coupon because they had these sales. She doesn't really sound like that, but like that's her Her, her
1: character. Her
0: character. Right. And How much were they? Uh, they were like they were like eleven ninety nine. Loa they were They're like going to go lower yeah they were just... like 11.99 yeah but the there was so many sales so low blows your mind
2: <laughs> how many sales so little time sounds like my dad oh it's great all right what's
1: uh what's what's the line you've written over the years that like you, you know either made it to air whether it was on over my dead uh, over my dead body or or another show that you you look back on and you're like that's that's my hit, that's my Hey Jude, that's like, you know, the, you know, the best thing I've ever written that no matter when I come back to it, it's still gold.
2: Um, I did a Kate and Well, I did an episode uh, for Kate and Allie called Dressed to Kill, excuse me, Um, where uh, they complained that Jane Curtin, who played Allie, she would always get the funny uh, lines. And Susan St. James, who played Kate, would kind of just play off of her. So we wanted to do something that that showed that Susan was funny. And so she's always wanted to, okay, here it goes. She's always wanted to go to the ballet and the Russian ballet is in town and this is her dream come true. She gets tickets. She doesn't um, have anything really nice to wear. She's freaked out. So she goes, it was, we had done it as Neiman Marcus, but we made up another name of a store of a store. She goes there because Allie has read in the paper that a new thing that women are doing is they'll go, they'll purchase on their credit card, a uh, dress, wear it once and say, ah, it didn't fit or put whatever. Mm -hmm. And take it back. So this is what she does. Um, So Kate gets this nice dress. They go to the ballet, have a great time. And she goes to meet the star of the show, this Ballerina, and they she slips, and the makeup on her face smashes against the dress. So she actually gets an imprint on this this twelve hundred dollar dress <laughs> of, of her face. She says, "Oh my God, I can't take. I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm out twelve hundred bucks. I, I you know I we don't have the money. So she goes to an all night dry cleaner. The all night dry says, "I I don't know. This is this is gonna be tough. Because I I think I can do it. And." Sure enough, the next morning he gets it out. It's all good. She goes to pick it up and he gives her the wrong dress. He goes, what happened? Oh, a guy picked this up. He goes, how, how can a person pick up the wrong dress? He goes, oh, he picks up dresses all the time. He's like, you know, down the street. Hey, he's he's the local funeral director.
0: And so he would, he doesn't
2: know whose dress is what. He's picked it up and they go to pick it up. The dress is now on a dead person. I guess it's like my theme. And walk <laughs> in the middle of a funeral, and the best line was uh, was Allie. She said, "She said this is either a funeral home or the chicest and saddest cocktail party I've ever been to." <laughs> and they have to get the dress off this dead woman and return it. And they they tell the guy, and they manage to bring it back. So the whole that's the that's a pretty famous Kate and Allie. I I could send you a link. I did that.
1: That's fantastic.
2: I
0: that's- watched Kate and Allie so oh my gosh great show oh oh that's fantastic
2: and we used to write lines for rodney dangerfield like he would anybody if he he had a funny line he'd give you fifty dollars for it so i did some
0: of those
1: oh give me a good rodney story you know he He, went to
0: my high school rodney dangerfield graduated from babylon high school really Mm-hmm. No, I had no idea. You did in New York, yeah. What a claim to fame that was.
1: I still, <laughs> I, I have, I have three boys uh, that are 13, 9, and eight, and I'll show them clips of Rodney making uh-huh. Johnny Carson laugh. Those are like the greatest things in the world. They love it.
2: Yeah, so we did that. I did. We did some ugly jokes. wow, one my my favorite of all of my, um, my wife cut me down on sex to twice a month. But that's not so bad. I know two guys she cut out completely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's you, huh? That
2: was me, my was so ugly. My mother breastfed me through a straw.
1: <laughs> Those are the best. <laughs> oh man! But, but, what,
2: what, we're we... we're a Rodney episode. It's very hard to find the voice, and we finally found the guy. That, because you have to have a lot of bass to it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people do the Rodney imitation, and they just try to sound the way he did, but the voice doesn't sound. It just sounds like a person talking like him.
1: Right. Yeah. Either that or like Jimmy Fallon's too expensive, right? He'd be hard to get for your show. He does everything, but... He, doesn't, he, he wouldn't be able to do a Rodney.
2: <laughs> no, okay. Rodney a very low voice, but you're right. He's pretty incredible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so give us a good Rodney story. Give me, give me something like maybe behind the scenes. Uh,
2: well, I didn't really work With him, just like sent sent him the jokes, but he was uh, remark. His name was actually Jack Roy, and people called him Jack. And if you, he expected people to know that. Who would know that? Like, does anybody (laughs) here know that? You know, he he used to sell aluminum siding. He went on a a blind like an audition. Three thousand people showed up to get on Ed Sullivan, and they chose him. And he would go on the show and then he'd come back. He was living in New Jersey at the time and would sell siding and paint supplies um, really for for years. He, In fact, he, at the age of 30, he retired. He said, I was uh, – show you how successful I was in show business. I was the only one that knew I had retired from
1: it. <laughs> he's, he, he's one of my favorites. I could watch him yeah. over and over again. YouTube YouTube and all this stuff, bringing it back is fantastic. I'm sure that's good for your show.
2: Right. It's very. It's it's been very helpful. Also, over my dead body. There was a show called that in the '90s on CBS. There's also one now that's, um, I think, about solving crimes, a you know, murder thing. Then Drake had an album called Over My Dead Body. So I think people, some people, have happened upon my show by mistake, which is fine with me. Like they'll oh I've heard of that and I never know which if they're if they really have heard of it or if they're thinking of something else. But I couldn't come up with a better I you know I, I created awesome. it in twenty thirteen and I like what what else could if a person is sitting oh on a on a grave interview like that is the would be the perfect name of the show would be over my dead body I mean I don't know what
1: <laughs> no you nailed it that's a bullseye
2: love it. What else to call it? Grave you know? Props. We do have a thing about um, cremations. So <laughs> a lot of people, what are we going to do? You know, so now we have like, if, you're, if your ashes were spread in the ocean, I think we're going to do an episode where we're, we're out on a boat and there's a buoy. <laughs> I <If Mickey> urn <laughs> is in the buoy. I don't know. we got to come up with something. <laughs> What's... Cremations kind of ruined us.
0: So tell... Um tell me what um you know as we as we wrap up today number one is who who are the lineups in the future any any spoilers you can give us of who
2: is Jimmy Stewart uh, we're gonna do Jimmy Stewart or oh boy we're gonna do so many we're gonna do gold of my ear um, but mo- mostly comedians mo- mostly I, I want to do Jack Benny uh, I would like to do Jackie Gleason Jimmy Durani would has a great you know, voice. Uh But here's a spoiler. Okay. I don't have enough time like the rest of my life to do all the people. I want, I want to do like 300 people. So the spoiler is we're developing a movie and the movie is going to have about a cast of 60 or 80. There you go. People. Uh, so right now we're looking, pardon the pun, for a plot. Um, how Um How could you... <laughs> What what storyline could come up with it would involve like you know a whole a, a whole bunch of people and maybe have like a a man and I, I don't right. know that is that is next you know and we have the money to do it so we you know as soon as I can come up with how to do it
0: I want to see an F Scott story. Fitzgerald party Stephen that would be great too that's what I like want to see
2: that's exactly the type of thing we're looking for if we were to do an episode okay. I'm hired. with a bunch. Of, <laughs> that's it i'm uh, you, you hiring know, myself the, the absolute perfect device to come in and you know you could bring in ezra pound hemingway uh his, his wife zelda mm-hmm. uh, max perkins you know, all the gangsters yeah right you could do we were going to do so episodes good. like that mob episode where you bring in a bunch of sure people. That's what we're looking. Uh, the only thing is for the movie, we think the the most commercial thing, and also fun, would be comedians. Mm-hmm. So we just get all the old, like, you know, Shaky Green. You know, we get the Boorish Belt people. We could get, um, you know, pick your favorite. Really. Absolutely. It's- How about
1: musicians? Have you used any musicians over there?
2: Have not done a musician yet. All right. But that.
1: Give me Hendrix. All right. Hendrix would be great. <laughs> the only
2: problem is as, as they all sound good, but then you go, okay, what would they say? You know, like, what would Jimmy? Have? I don't know. I don't know much. I would right. have to research them and see. You know, rather than just make it up, you know, have to be based on sure. So that's why I said Elvis. Like, what would Elvis Presley really say for twenty five minutes? That we keep?
1: <laughs> no, he wasn't that. That that that. Inter- I, I mean...
2: think that like, or Michael Jackson even.
1: John oh, Lennon. We, John Lennon could give you some. Uh, he'd give you twenty five minutes on the state of affairs.
2: He, he, so that, that's what we're working on. That's there's your spoiler alert. alert that's video. exciting. So cool. It's exciting. Oh, I love it. Just let that, me that, know. That exactly, it's an exactly, great idea. What, what you had said about uh, a cocktail party with Fitz, at Fitzgerald's house.
1: All right. She gets fifty right. fifty well, after here's the first five hundred thousand.
0: That was my – sure. I'm an F. Scott Fitzgerald <laughs> scholar. I'm such a, d- like, dork that I just shared that with everybody over here on the world. But that was my focus. My, that was my thesis in college. Not many
2: people can Scott say they've Fitzgerald. done a triathlon and a thesis on F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some
0: bizarre things in my past. Um, <laughs> be, and also played the alto sax and the piano. I know. It's, like, bizarre. But, um, yeah, just let me know. We can continue this conversation, and also if you need a character like Carol, What do you, what do you need? How much?? Right. Guess how much these pants were? Lowa. Lowa.
2: We're looking forward. We're looking forward to doing a two-part Vladimir Putin
0: episode. Oh so. boy. Ooh, stir he, in the pot. Does he die that's at it. the end? <laughs> Great. <laughs> we just got we what just got it? red flagged. Our <laughs> podcast just got red flagged.
2: Oh, you yeah. might have to cut that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Man, Steven, this is fantastic. Yeah, that's but- I- the end of the whole interview, right there. That's it. That's no, it. no, that's it. We dropped the mic on Putin.
0: Um, right. Please tell. Can you please tell our listeners where they can go to? You know, find out more about Over My Dead Body, everything that you're up to, you know, get the books, you know, watch the shows go. Well,
2: you can go to Amazon Prime, uh, Over My Dead Body, the ultimate talk show. The episodes are there. If you want to listen to it, you can go to every major podcast platform, Audible, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. Yes. It's on things I've never even heard
1: about. <laughs> so are we. <laughs> Don't know how they got there or anything. We're there.
2: You can do that. There's also, we, we did publish the scripts for the first season that you can get over My Dead Body, season one from on Amazon. And um, that, that's, yeah, it's, it's easy to find. It's easier to find than a, a, a show on a network. And you can watch it at any time. That,
1: that's the thing, you know. It's on demand. It's uh, it's available, and you and you carry it in your pocket these days. This is uh, th- this has been a real treat, Steve. And I I have to tell you, I I got to thank you for just, um, you know, I I uh, in a way stumbled into this uh, episode here, and not you know quite sure what was uh, what was doing, you know, because we we generally talk fitness and things like that, but we love this stories. Is- it's mental we love,
0: fitness, it's endurance, we, it's overcoming this.
1: We, is it. we we talk to people more than anything, right? And we get their stories and and you're a fascinating fella and uh you know, I love everything that you've said. I love the pearls that you dropped on us about exercising as well. Um, you know, all of it is uh is is good sound quality content and uh and, and information for us.
2: I don't know if you have have if this has been done. But but if there's a, a fitness program just for creative people, uh, or a diet fitness thing, you guys would be per- perfect to do it.
1: All right, well, hook and us I, up. Yeah, we need a writer, and
2: we'll do it. It'll be very uh, popular. So.
1: Love it, love it, love
2: it,
0: love it. All right, well, we'll be in touch because we're you know we're now new, new friends. We've been talking. that's <laughs> you're you're so fun, and thank you so much. And with that said, it is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fit Crazy. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.